welcome back to the podcast. Uh, my, my name is Travis Roberts. I have my friend Matt Cantrell here and our third elder that we're introducing, Mark Cathy, or as he's known, Gandalf the Grey. <laughs> well, there's thanks, no way. To, thanks a lot, Travis. <laughs> <laughs> there's no way to respond to that. Uh, well, I can. <laughs> you have a, you have an accrued time of responding. Well, I love the Lord of the Rings too. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've never actually called him Gandalf, but he has been that for me in my life. He's been that uh, that wise. Uh, leader um, for a number of years, and uh, man, we're really blessed at the district to now have you as as uh, as an official elder. Um, and and you know, yours is a crazy story, Mark, because I don't think f- even seven years ago you'd look and forecast the future of your life and say, "I'm going to be an elder at a church plant in the middle of a little neighborhood." Um, in Wichita, and yet here we are. It's it's uh, really, honestly, one of the more joyful you know memories of going through this process with you from day one before the district church had a name or location or anything. You know, you and Harlan have just been um, along for the ride and guiding us and directing us. It's it's just been uh, an amazing thing. Before we jump into all of that, let's get to know you just a little bit, Mark. Tell us. Tell us what we don't know about you and Harolyn, and uh, give us some background of you oh. guys. Uh, some of our background is uh, is pretty boring. <laughs> <laughs> we both uh, uh, Harolyn was born in the Panhandle of Texas and moved here at a, when she was very young. Uh, I was born here in in, uh, in Wichita and uh, lived here most of my life, uh, other than uh, a period of time in the Navy. Uh, in fact, yesterday I even went and, and drove by the house that my grandfather built hmm. on South Bond back in the 1920s and where my father and and uh, uh, my aunts and uncles were all actually born at that house. And the house is still there with a, an, an attached garage now. And, uh, it's kind of interesting to have that kind of roots in a, hmm. in a neighborhood yeah. and, and in a city. Uh, my mother and father, uh, uh, Merle and Laura Cathy, were, were married uh, right after my dad got out of the Navy uh, in the uh, uh, early 50s. Uh, I had uh, grew up here in, in this city, uh, uh, like so many others. I uh, was fortunate. My parents uh, remained married all the way through their lives and, mm-hmm. and experienced almost 60 years together before, before they left us. Uh, brother and sister are here still in in this town, and uh, and a blessing to to be close to us. And likewise, Harlan's uh, Harlan's brother and sister are are here as well, and her family is a great blessing to us. And and, and so, family is very very important to us and very yeah. close to us. Uh, grew up in the south end of town. Uh, uh, if it means anything to people, uh, went to Truesdale Junior High, went to South High School. Graduated there. I uh, actually went to Wichita State for a, a little while, and and then went to uh, Emporia State, then Kansas State Teachers College. Uh, through all that time, my my folks raised us. Uh, we went to uh, uh, the Methodist Church, uh, Methodist Church here in the south end of town near Pawnee and Seneca. Uh, one of my best friends was uh, was a PK, 
so had that exposure and was in and out of the parsonage during that time. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, so uh, uh, nothing unusual about about my background or, or growing up. Uh, uh, the unusual things all kind of happened maybe as I, as I finally grew up and and uh, in college uh, I, I definitely had. Uh, had my fall away period mm -hmm. that, that uh, most of us experience and struggle through, and uh, mine got really serious mm -hmm. while I was away from home in, at uh, Emporia State, and uh, <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I went with friends from uh, uh, from the church here this last weekend and went and saw the the Greg Laurie uh, mm -hmm. book converted to a movie Jesus Revolution and uh, of course that kind of spoke to me a little bit quite honestly because I got to go live the crazy side of that away from home at a school with uh, uh, lots of drugs to try and lots of liquor to drink and uh, and fell into that hole pretty seriously while I was in school uh, uh, I did manage to come away from the first two years there with uh, enough credentials that I uh, that I later on could use the hours, but uh, after a couple of years going to school there, I, I decided I, I really needed to do something different. Mm -hmm. uh, of course, the Vietnam War was the the huge uh, activity that was on the scene when I was uh, that was in the uh, the uh, early 70s, and the war was still going on. Uh, but uh, I decided I, I wasn't I needed a break from that. And, Harolyn uh, and I actually met in high school at mm. South High. Cool. Uh, of course, at that time, South High was the largest high school in the state of Kansas, uh, 3,000 kids. Uh, and, uh, but uh, I saw her in the student lounge. She was a sophomore. I was a senior. thought she was the most beautiful girl I'd ever seen. Unfortunately, I was with my best friend, Steve, who in this school of 3,000 was... Uh, prom king and nominated best looking if you go to the old yearbook so i saw her he swooped it <laughs> <laughs> so so Harlan and i actually went to prom together senior senior prom uh but she went with steve and i went with my other girlfriend <laughs> uh, uh, but uh, uh enough about all all of that uh, coming out of college uh after two years and really stumbling, you know, my side of college would be, you know, at that time it was everybody needed to go to college. If you didn't know what you wanted to do, well, go anyway and you'd find your way. Mm -hmm. uh, my experience with that was I saw lots of people get lost on college campuses, and I indeed did as well, but uh, I didn't see very many kids get that found themselves there. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, so I joined the Navy, and uh, uh, basically you know almost eight years in the Navy and uh, uh, original originally joined for four years and and then ended up giving them a couple more years because the whole purpose was to try and come away with a with a, a way to earn a living and a, uh, a trade and and so there I got into the Navy nuclear power program and became a reactor operator and, and served was on a an aircraft carrier for several deployments, and then on a on a fast attack submarine, and uh, finally got out in the late 70s, 79. That is the cool, that is the coolest 
description. Can you say those words again? Yeah. <laughs> Nuclear, <laughs> say that one more time. Nuclear reactor operator. That's awesome. That is my title now. <laughs> I want to know. <laughs> I'm nervous to ask more about what that means because you're going to start talking and I'm going to not know what you're talking about. But that's a very cool title. Well, if, if Harlan were sitting here, she'd be squeezing my knee saying they know enough about that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but you know sometimes somewhere i'd be glad to share tell you more things about it and and i did absolutely love what i did once Mm -hmm. i got there in the navy i I was completely eaten up by it i was completely eaten up by the cold war by by all every aspect of serving Mm -hmm. the way i did however uh uh, uh, that took us uh, uh i didn't actually get harlan back together during that time but but uh uh, Harlan, uh, you two are familiar, but uh, Harlan uh, had uh, osteogenic sarcoma when she was uh, right after that sophomore year mm-hmm. in that summer when Steve and I had graduated and she lost her leg. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was uh, quite a journey when that happened. And, yeah. and uh, I always tried to at least kind of stay close to her during that time, even when I went away to college and I would write her a letter now and then when I came home I'd check with her and and uh, her relationship with Steve had stopped but I still always kind of I think in my mind more like a, a brotherly kind of thing just was always interested in her and wanted to see how she was doing uh, so when I came home you know from my second year in college and decided to go in the Navy I uh, you know she was one of the last ones I'd touched base with but it was uh, so long I'm going to see the world kind mm. of thing mm. yeah uh, so, uh, uh, my early years in the Navy are, are uh, I, I give testimony during that time because I had fallen completely away from the church mm-hmm. and was still, uh, I wasn't addicted to anything. I just liked it. Uh, so I still did quite a bit of drugs and quite a lot of, uh, of drinking mm-hmm. both together. Uh, and, uh, uh, the interesting thing about that is I've told you what I did. Well, obviously, when I was going through those schools, you signed all kinds of things and said, no, I would never do that. <laughs> of course. <laughs> oh, no, I would never do that. Uh-huh. No, we don't do that. And if they discovered that you did do that, did the drug side of it, no. you were out immediately and, you know, on a riverboat somewhere or mm. and done. So, uh, so you were walking, living two lives right. in this great, big, huge deception. Yeah. You know, which which quite honestly taught me a lot more about that deception and the way it's buried in everybody. Yeah. And there are many more sides of it than that. I like I say my 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 tale to redemption is is uh, is kind of a long one not mm. to be shared here, but mm. uh, I I certainly know the dark side. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that much of it. Um, and uh, and I had particularly terrible circumstance that occurred uh, while I was in San Francisco going to the first phases of nuclear power school that uh, that really laid me low. It also ended my drugs. It ended my drinking and pushed all that away mm. and, and returned home for the first time uh, on leave and ran into heroin again at that time. Yeah. And I still have the Bible. At that time, I didn't have a Bible there, there so I went and bought one. I bought a one-way Bible. Remember the one with the pictures on it, one-way? Mm-hmm. And, and I had it's up on my mantle, kind of same 
way you have yours you can see it when you're sitting there mm -hmm. still got where i sat down and started highlighting yeah started in proverbs that seemed like <laughs> and uh, uh came home on leave that uh that christmas that was a christmas of 73 and uh, uh harlan was there now i didn't know she was engaged to another guy but she was there and and we exchanged christmas presents and i gave her another copy of the same bible that i was in the middle of at that time mm -hmm. and uh, uh so that bible's also those two are together up on our mantle oh that's sweet wow. and and i also gave her a cross and her christmas present to me was a silver sterling silver cross mm -hmm. that uh and uh, and i accepted that as a uh, as a um, direction. Hmm. So uh, three months later, after I'd returned back to San Francisco, I proposed over the, over the. I think I was really romantic. I, I think I said, you know, these phone bills are just crazy. I can't <laughs> afford this. I think we need to get married. <laughs> and unbelievably, she said yes. And she actually said, here's this 19-year-old girl that wears an artificial leg. But, that flies to San Francisco to come join me, hmm. not knowing what in the world she's getting into. And, and so that's how the two of us came together. I just want you to know that you, you prefaced your story by saying, ours is a little boring, and then, <laughs> and then you shared this. Uh, well, I, you know, I don't know. But uh, uh, now, since then, you know, you're talking about the individual that absolutely there is no so so at that point in time i got direct guidance and, and at an age when i was uh, not very bright not very well attuned and not very good at following the lord probably of all of the direction that i'd received up till then i had followed any of it but at the right time when he put that person in front of me and said this is the one mm -hmm. i said yes hmm. and i tried to do it what he wanted me to do and mm. and she's been my guiding light mm. ever since even Sweet. to this day so uh, you know I don't, I don't know how else i could share it with you and uh, and and uh you know so uh probably i do, I do need to share at this point um because i could sprinkle stories into this um sweet heroin who like her hug just means the world right like that's her hello and just it's uh <clears throat> she, and she just has a real sweetness to her i remember going on a, a staff retreat uh, at one point and what i knew of heroin was just smiling face servant heart you know just i didn't i didn't, didn't think she had like any kind of like pranking bone in her body <laughs> And I had I head back after our like like meeting with the staff one night, and I go back to my sleeping bag and like my bunk, and um, I'm like getting in my sleeping bag, and there's something in the sleeping bag with me, and I like my hand goes over, and it is a leg. It's like, like whole leg. I come screaming out in the hallway, like holding this leg, and I go back into this room and. Uh, Harolyn and like two other ladies. Harolyn is is beat red, laughing hysterically. <laughs> Got me so good, and she always 
she always brings it up. That's always a reminder of like when she when she got me with that. And there's been several things since then that she will she'll she'll get you on. So. You got that for a Christmas present this year too, didn't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> the gift uh, keeps on giving. Yeah, you got, the, you got the socket, so you can you know you can plant a plant in it. <laughs> What had a KC leg on it? Oh, it, it, it was perfect. Was my favorite socket for her leg. You know, <laughs> it was, uh, big deal. Yeah, it is. Believe me, I said. Uh, Anyways, so that there, no no point to that other than just uh, oh. good good memories, good times. Uh, well, the uh, oh back into the story would be uh, the time in the Navy. I was overseas a lot. Uh, I mentioned that I loved what I did. Mm-hmm. However, that, that I, I, it's very, very difficult, very difficult to be apart, for a husband and wife to be apart mm-hmm. for months and months and months on time yeah. and then try and come back together because it, it, you're, not, you're not static then. Mm-hmm. You're growing like this, whatever you're involved in. You're, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they're growing like this and then all of a sudden you try and so I it became obvious I honestly don't believe we would have if, had I stayed in the service which was an option obviously with what I did mm-hmm. uh, that and uh, and but I, I really felt like I didn't think our marriage would survive yeah uh, me staying in the service so got out in 79 came home here to Wichita uh, obviously I was a nuclear reactor operator and they were building Wolf Creek and I got letters from then Kansas Gas and Electric saying, whenever you get out, we're interested in you and mm. all this. So I pretty much thought I had it all laid. Uh, so then we come home during that time, and I submit my application, and I discover things have changed. Uh, my dad actually worked at Kansas Gas and Electric, as did, you mentioned, uh, Dick Hayden, mm-hmm. uh, a friend from Riverland Christian mm-hmm. Church, and a, mm-hmm. an elder there that was significant to both of us. Yeah. Uh, he worked at KGE as well. However, they had put in nepotism policies, and so they turned it back and they said, "No, we can't look at you for a job in our new power plant anymore because your dad works oh, for KGE." So that started me looking other places, and uh, and I ended up working at Boeing. Gotcha. And uh, and that uh, that and it's that's a that's another another side of things and of growth for the future, but. Uh, uh, now, during that time when we came back, we had not ever had a church family while we were gone. It just was, it's very hard when you're traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. We, uh, she came married me in San Francisco. I finished my training out in the desert in Idaho, then went to my first assignment, which was uh, the USS Nimitz, an aircraft carrier out of Norfolk, and had two deployments on the aircraft carrier in uh, uh, 75, 76, and then... Uh, 76, 77. You, you were gone quite a bit. and uh, uh, But uh, got out of the Navy in 79. At that time, I, would, I had been assigned to a, to a new construction fast attack submarine and finished that whole process and went to see trials on all of it. And right as they were getting ready to send it to Pearl Harbor, that's when I got out. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, when we got back here, we restarted, and my family was a four-generation family in the Methodist church that I mentioned, mm-hmm. and so it was kind of natural. Harold also grew up in the church, and she attended Lutheran church, okay. uh, St. Paul's, I think, it's still over here on uh, North Waco, and uh, 
but we we were most comfortable in in my church and uh, one of the things that started happening then it happened in the service as well but I, I've never been an individual uh, particularly sought or even wanted leadership type positions and, but it, it always seemed like they kind of found me and uh, even even in uh, at that time when I got out I would have been 26 and Harlan was 24 so we were just kids even with everything behind us mm -hmm. uh, and uh, uh, but uh, attending that church uh, for the back for one year and, and working at Boeing and, and uh, uh, that was the first time that I became involved in any kind of church leadership mm. and there they I participated in they had a a board, a yeah. church board, if you will, of the church yeah. that communicated with the Methodist uh, uh, district oversight and that sort of thing, yeah. and also worked with the pastor and did that. And I, so that would have been my first entry into any any kind of a, a position with the church. And and in that position, even then, I I became somewhat involved in the church services and read from the pulpit scripture and that sort of thing mm. um, so uh, so it went back that far uh, Harlan and I my first son was born right before we got out of the Navy in New London Connecticut and then my second son uh, was born here about a year after we got back mm -hmm. uh, so we had two sons through uh, all our young adulthood and, and I, I'd say we had two families really because <coughs> The boys grew up, and actually, we we just got to the point where we were going to be in, or you know, or empty nesters, mm -hmm. and that was when uh, uh, we had a, a situation with Harlan's sister, my sister-in-law, and uh, uh, the result of that and our assistance was her was we ended up with adopting uh, my uh, my niece. Mm -hmm. Her, her daughter. Gotcha. And uh, so I was 49 then. Harlan was 47, and we were had a newborn baby at that point. And started uh, over. Yeah, my hair my hair wasn't gray before that. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, it was a tremendous change to go from two boys, and all of a sudden you had a girl. And, yeah. And uh, what a wonderful thing to have a girl. I hope you know. But uh, mm -hmm. uh, that was a pretty formative time again for us. Uh, Church-wise, we were we were at the Methodist Church probably for about ten years, and uh, and the the, the um, for some reason we were just called to uh, uh, to we felt like we needed a change, hmm. and uh, uh, we had relocated and bought a house farther north that that better fit. You know our our circumstances and and Harlan's circumstance were in her leg, uh, and uh, uh, it just so happened that we bought a house that was across the street from uh, Don and I, Jean Hilton, who Don was an elder at Riverlong Christian Church that was maybe a quarter of a mile away from us. Hmm. The pastor of Riverlong Christian Church was Charlie Greer, and he lived in Don's backyard. Uh, 
the adult services pastor lived one block down, so we were pretty well suck. <laughs> we, yeah, you couldn't get out of that. No, we, we visited them one time, and we were in the family. And, uh, uh, and, and just like me, uh, Charlie, Charlie Greer, the pastor at that time, I think he fell in love with Harlan the first time he ever met her. And, uh, and ultimately, she ended up working in the church office, and that's when we relocated our, our membership there. And uh, uh, always, uh, I think that began a period of time for us of, of pretty significant growth. Hmm. Uh, for the first time, all, all the time that we were in the in the Methodist Church, there was a lot of family, but it was it was blood relatives. Yeah. So we never really experienced what church family really was supposed to feel like. It's until we went, yeah, until we went to, we, we, we never had our family grow on us like it did when we went to Riverlawn. Hmm. All of a sudden, we we were a part of something <coughs> bigger that I didn't really even understand, hmm. you know. And, and all of a sudden, it just uh, and that in combination with with uh, with Charlie's messages, uh, it just seemed time. I had entered a period of time when. And it's never stopped for me, but but at that point in time, finally the messages and the word, and I re-embraced reading the Bible more than than I had been in all these years while I was very much focused on the American dream and being successful at Boeing and mm. working hard and, and doing all of those things and, and raising two sons and coaching baseball and coaching soccer yeah, right. and all of this stuff, you know. And, and uh, that, uh, but uh, uh, at that point in time, then, then uh, everything got all of a sudden more real for me. Mm. And every time I sat down in that seat, it's like, uh, it's like the Lord opened my mind in a way that every time Charlie spoke, I'm there with my Bible. It's like he's speaking right into my heart. <laughs> yeah. Just, you know, dagger after dagger after dagger of, you know, and, uh, <laughs> And and the and the huge blessing from the Lord out of that is it's never ended. Hmm. At that at that point in time, God's word took on a new meaning for me. Uh, the idea of of loving your neighbor it really uh, took on a new meaning for me. Mm-hmm. Uh, it started with with a with an expanded church family where I you know suddenly and it just it did nothing but grew suddenly felt like I I did indeed have a greater family here of people that I cared about yeah. and uh, and and it's a it's a stepping stone to understanding how, how much the Lord loves all of us and, and each time you look at what the Lord did for us and and Jesus salvation for us his his, uh, his sacrifice you start to recognize how completely valuable every person that you look at is mm-hmm. and uh, there's a there's a new acceptance of people and their frailty but it all starts with all those daggers in your own heart yeah. it starts with recognizing what what's inside you and what you've recovered from mm-hmm. for me uh, I you know at a young age I did things that uh, destroyed many, you know, could have destroyed my life. Yeah. I, I have no idea where, and, and for whatever reason, 
I did not have to pay the same consequences for those that I probably that I deserved, mm -hmm. and and you know in in times you know where things happened where I, I really should have had those consequences. There's no real logical reason why I didn't suffer yeah. those consequences, uh, but uh, uh, that. That recognition of that underside to all of us that's hidden there inside that we're trying to open up and trying to give to him and that focus, uh, that came, I have to initially say that came sitting there in front of Charlie Greer listening to him say over and over again, oh, I would that you would love my Jesus, mm -hmm. his words, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, it had so much meaning. This is another crazy story, just, you know, on, on like, uh, um, I think just where, where stories and lives begin to intersect. I was at Ozark um, during, what, 04 to 2008, 2009, <clears throat> and there would be some friend hangouts where we would go to a, there was a, a girl that we would, was kind of a part of our friend group, and her grandparents lived near the campus. And we probably went there, you know, at least every month and just would hang out and, um, you know, be uh, playing games and ping pong in their basement. And Charlie and Judy Greer. Yeah, it was Charlie <laughs> and Judy Greer. I had no, you know, no, there was, there was not like a, um, you know, semblance that I was going to be crossing paths with the, the church that he used to pastor and all of that. But so it just little... Little thing, what do they call those premonitions or something like that? I know that's a little more an idea and stuff like that that kind of that, that you get hit with. But I've, I've I've always had something that just feels like, man, I could look back and see the crossing happen or um, a touch point take place. So small world and all that kind of stuff. So hmm. pretty pretty neat. Hmm. Um, you you really like. Uh, I love how you kind of laid out your story and, and the, the thread of the fabric of Jesus kind of calling you and bringing you and what he's done in you and, and Harolyn's lives are, is, is just fascinating to me. Um, probably, probably one thing that stands out is um, you, you've always been a, a, a voice of reason um, I, I, I've told this story from the pulpit probably quite a bit, but sometimes I don't attribute your name to it. I just say an elder or leader. But uh, you, you're the you were the leader, the elder who uh, I I just real quick um, I preached one Sunday and I thought I did an amazing job. <laughs> Just nailed it on the nailed way up. <laughs> and I got a lot of compliments, and so I thought, yes, I'm right. I nailed it, um, which just tells you where my heart was at and, and all of that during that during that time. This is years and years ago. Um, like this never cry, happens like today. <laughs> Anyways, but there was one, there was a guy who came up, and he was ticked. He's ticked with me. He was ticked that I. He was ticked about an illustration that I used and a point that I made. And he thought that I was off base. And he thought I was. Uh, he thought I just really just swung and missed. And he was mad about it. You know, and I don't know whether he was mad because he like personally felt pricked or convicted, or if it was 
something ever it was like way off base or or whatever but it was like he was he was beginning to yell at me in front of people who were still lingering after the service was over on this particular sunday and i said man let's go to the let's go to the office and you know you can yell at me there but let's not do this right here in front of everybody so we go to the office and he lays into me i mean he starts really going after me and, and things get personal he's attacking character he's going out i mean he's going after everything and i've never had a conversation with him before i've never you know sat down never gotten coffee or breakfast or anything so i am shocked because this has never happened to me before in ministry it's never i've never experienced this it's probably a couple years into this is probably 2011 ish i know you're not going to do this but i really want the like the culmination of the story to be like, and this was Mark. It is. It's going to, no, no, <laughs> it's Mark not, it's one. not. Um, and so he, we were not, we weren't going to get to a, a solution. And so he just, he, he walked out and I, uh, you know, played it tough. And then as soon as he was out, I, I just started crying. I was so hurt. I was so hurt and so shattered and and I you know someone came up and consoled and I remember that that whole day I was just like okay this was that was the first time I was like maybe ministry's not for me you know <laughs> off of one you know one thing like that and we had an elder meeting that week and so I and I had worked on you know taking it to the cross and refer, and forgiving and trying to understand his point of view and I, I, I thought I had worked through that anyway you know just processing it in a, in a, in a Christ-centered way and then we get to the elder meeting and it's my turn to share, you know, how I'm doing and what's going on in the ministry. And I, I get through a couple of highlights, but then I go into this story and I'm like, guys, something needs to be done. Cause this guy is way out of way out of line. He said this and, and, and I was trying to communicate to, to the elder board, which Mark was a part and, uh, and say, you guys need to meet with this guy. And, you know, it's like, and, and felt so justified in what I was saying. And after I was done, everyone was quiet, which I was like, they're getting it. <laughs> they're thinking of their plan to go and get this guy. And Mark, I, I think I remember you were sitting on my left and you just, you were the first person to kind of look at me and like make eye contact with me. And, and I'll never forget, you said, was any of it true? And internally, I went, that the guy said are you kidding me <laughs> what are you no way you know my, my immediate reaction was like I had never I hadn't processed anything that he's saying could be true because my feelings were so hurt and he said your job right now is to you said this to me you said your job right now is to figure out what's true and if there's even two percent that's true in what he said then the Holy Spirit wants you to hear it and I was like but that stuck with me because my feelings don't come before shepherding don't come before discipleship don't come before people and don't come before anything else it's like even even when something even if something is an attack the 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 humble way to accept it is i need to take what's true i can throw out anything that's not but I need to take what's true and I need to actually apply it and I need to actually like humbly accept. And that was actually the start of me being able to go and, and I got coffee with him and breakfast and we kind of, we hashed things out. We never became great friends. <laughs> 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 but, but that reset my heart 
for for reconciliation. It reset and said, this is a brother that I need to find peace with, not somebody that needs to go and get punished from our leaders. <laughs> there was accountability and all that that took place, but still, I just that, that's something that I always stuck where I was like, Mark's the guy who will always, uh, you know, help you reason through things and help you, you know, get to the place where Jesus wants you to take in truth and even when it hurts and all of, all of the above. So mm-hmm. it's just one of the stories I'll always remember of, of Mark leading me. That's, that story's cool because it has legs to it because, Mark, you haven't said that to me, but Travis has used that one on me a couple of times <laughs> and I can see it in his eyes when he's about to do it and I try and leave. But it's, that's, a, that's a good word. Um, can I ask just like briefly, so you, I've heard you say a number of times and I've heard the story a little bit, but you were a part of the launch team and before the launch team of the district. How did that come about for you guys? Uh, well, I was, uh, I was interested in, in, in the church planting activity, and we were, you know, as a, as a leadership team, we were, we were, uh, we'd made a decision that we were, we were going to move in a direction mm-hmm. toward church planting, or we were looking at potential satellites, or, or different things that we, uh, Riverlawn Church has, has experienced tremendous success and continued to grow and grow and grow. And, and while while we really desired that express that 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 the, the growth and to be able to reach more people, we weren't particularly after a church that got big, 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 big. Mm-hmm. And and so we were trying to look around that. But while I was involved in that, I got to participate with with Travis and Nicole and. Uh, uh, I, I was always, I was, I mean, Travis and Nicole, you, you had this, you had, you felt this drop, this, or you weren't exactly sure what direction it was going to take you. And, and Nicole was part of that as well. I mean, you made the trip, yeah. you guys made the trip to Japan to go evaluate yeah. a, a possible uh, uh, opportunity there. And, uh, and that caused me to start thinking about it. And, uh, uh, and at the time, you know, when you start reading planting type literature and aligning yourself with that, uh, you recognize a tremendous opportunity toward uh, reaching, really reaching the lost. Mm-hmm. I mean, in, in a, and, and there's a lot of statistics that show you that say if you're in a big church, you may have a lot of new people come, but a very small percentage of new people come normally are not people that are unchurched that are coming to church. Normally it's uh, yes, church hopping yeah. or moving to a different, and, and there's goodness to that too. Yeah, there yeah. can be people that say, mm-hmm. I, I need I mean, I, I did that at one time. Mm-hmm. We certainly didn't hop churches because we were at Riverline for, I don't know, 25 plus years. But uh, uh, but during that time in evaluating that, I, I got to, I got to go with Travis and Nicole when they when they went to the Stadia evaluation for church planters and participate and just watch that and 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 and, and observe along with them, which was just the wonderful position for me because I got to sit there and and breathe in all that was being shared about that and and, and in a position of uh, I mean I wasn't the one that was being evaluated Uh, you know so but so and and I also got to see the criteria where they were looking at people and and helping them understand whether they really had the tools and the mindset to go through what what you go through when you try and plant a church which is 
really difficult. That's something that that's something that people probably aren't you know it's, it's a world they're not aware of that there's actually you know a, a, a an evaluation and assessment that people go to to kind of help them determine the call and to be kind of put under the microscope and you know on your philosophy of ministry your beliefs your the way that you present you know all those kind that 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 was probably an eye-opening thing for me and i think we were kind of going through something like that for the first time mm -hmm. uh, first time i'd experienced something like that and for you two to be there it was, yeah, it was an interesting week well it, it was really encouraging too because w once you're looking at all of that you see that the statistics are i can't quote you the exact statistic but a huge number of church plants just die and wither and go away mm -hmm. so uh, so obviously when you're when you're planning you're you're trying to see what all do we need to try and and do to make this successful and during that time you know i would talk with Harlan quite a lot about it too and of course she was aware but she's still working in the in the church office mm -hmm. and uh, and and when it finally came time to to start trying to assemble the the uh, 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 the church plant team, you know, we were we were discussing at that time, and and Harlan had really just retired from the church office after like I think she worked there 26 years, had virtually every position from office manager to to mm -hmm. I don't know all the different jobs she had, but uh, uh, and uh, during that time I just I became convicted and more and more aware of how how really uh, the need for change and and uh, the uh, I just my, my heart for people and, and how difficult life appeared to be for young people and young families now mm -hmm. and of course I'm experiencing this with my own sons that are that are now you know now basically your age or a little bit older in their young 40s and and uh, uh, and uh, we're praying a lot at that time trying to think in terms of where should we put this church mm -hmm. trying to understand it and and uh, 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 for a while, I mean, I can remember we really had no idea where we were going to put it. And then almost in the same week, you know, Travis came back and he said, you know, we, I think Delano is where we want to go. You know, and he'd been driving around down here. And, and I happened to have been through, and in my mind it had leaped up how many deserted old churches it looked like there were down here. And I thought, boy, that's just kind of odd. And, and I've seen that. But... Uh, uh, I uh, I just became I didn't want to and in, in fact I'm going to leave here and Harlan and I are going to go back over to Riverlawn and meet with a group of people that meet over there uh, this day every month and we still have tremendous connections so that so that family thing that I talk with you about that doesn't go away yeah. I mean that's just part of the family yeah, you know yeah. and this is just yeah. part of the family over here you know so we now have a bigger family you know and my idea of family and of people has just continued to grow uh, but uh, I somewhere along the line I have at least gotten to where a, a little bit of my heart goes out more and more to people and I see people differently and I during that time in that evaluation I, I felt like uh, 
it was time for us to do something different. And I wanted this church to be successful really bad. And the best way that I could do that was go along too. And talked with Harold about it, and it was an immediate, yes, we should go. That's awesome. And uh, and at that time, we still have my my younger daughter was you know just graduating high school, and she too said, yes, yes, we'll go. And she worked was in the children's area early on, and, and that uh, we just felt called to come and, and to go plant with with others. Hmm. There's a couple of things that are really uh, pivotal, especially when you're forming a team that. Um, probably off the off the top of the head you, when you're forming a team you probably want to find um, you know the, the, the natural pull is like you find disgruntled people that are a part of a church to help form a team that go starts a new church because they're like oh, I don't want to be at this church anymore I want to go start something new those aren't the best team members those are actually the first people you should say stay where you're at the best team members are those who love where they're at are serving faithfully and are giving faithfully and are a part of the process at their church and who could never imagine leaving. Because those are the ones who are literally going to do what they're doing right now and they're going to do it in another context. So actually all you have to do is cast vision for the mission and for reaching lost people. And then what that does is it literally like creates faithful workers in the context that they go. So you and Harolyn are such a good example of that. Dan and Debbie are such a good example of it's not it's not people leaving because they don't like what they are a part of. It's people mm-hmm. leaving because they want to produce a new thing for those who don't have it and who are sacrificing in order for that to take place. I mean, there's nothing more true of that than meeting at Milk Float in a coffee shop where <laughs> we're, we're, you know, you're sitting in uncomfortable chairs training how to do church, not just a church service, and you're prepping and planning at WOW everyone else is kind of getting to go to a service that's being done for them. And so it's, it's a, a transformative period of time, but one just truly grateful, again, for um, you and Harolyn and your, not your involvement even, just your, the way that you have uh, been so faithful to the task and, uh, um, and giving even, you, you and Harolyn give more credibility to what we're doing than, than I do or that anyone else does because of what you guys have sacrificed and the way that you've served and the way that you just um, really have, have uh, helped guide us. So, yeah. Thank you. Very special. It, it's been a huge blessing for us. It, it really has. And uh, uh, I, I can't put it any other way. It's uh. awesome. Well, I think we covered the uh, gambit of Mark and Harold and Kathy, and there's a whole lot more to that story. Um, some of you will will hear more uh, if you're in his hub, or um, man, another another person to grab coffee, grab lunch, grab breakfast with, and hear more and more. Um, but Mark, we're grateful that you're an elder at the yeah. district. We're grateful for your leadership and. Uh, just looking forward to what God continues to do in our in our dynamic there at the district church. So, thanks, Travis. Yeah, thanks, Mark. Thanks, Matt.